that hot beverage makes my blood boil. That logo came in a little hotter than I expected. Uh, welcome to Refactored, the show where we try and suck a little bit less each day, like with our sound quality, for example. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And today is May 11th, episode 22. So I was reading something pretty interesting the other day. Uh, Wait, so, you've gained literacy? Right. <laughs> Can you believe it? So I was reading this, uh, seeing a lot of, you know, back to work, almost back to schoolish in, in, in its writing. It, re- it reminds me of the stuff you would see every fall. But we're seeing a lot of back to work stuff now with COVID sort of relaxing. And we see people going back to work. And I'm seeing work uh, stories about hybrid offices now going from fully remote to now this hybrid setup and things like that. And there was this interesting article uh in the new york times and then commented on in the verge we'll link to both i don't know if new york times will let you see it but we'll you know we'll include it um talking about what google is doing with its offices going back to work and i'll send you these links just so you've got them so while we're talking you can like look at the the fancy pictures in the background um but long story short google is uh, trying to trying a bunch of, you know, with its piles of money is, is trying some things to make the offices safe and accessible um, for its staff. And so they're trying some some things that will, you know, some of it's interesting, some of it's not. Um, and so I was curious about your thoughts, one, with the, the stuff that they were doing, because, I mean, they have things like inflatable walls and mm-hmm. um, they even have some uh, robotic desks that will auto adjust and rearrange themselves based on who signs in to use the space. So it's like a reusable hotspot. And then they've got some outdoor spaces. We can talk about all the I've got things. I've got like this like this Rick and Morty and type image in my head of desks like overextending slamming people into the ceiling and bashing them against walls <laughs> now that i would sign up for and then that and office then flashback flashback to three months earlier some middle manager going i don't see how this can go wrong <laughs> and there's people screaming and there's blood everywhere <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so, so they're doing some they're doing some interesting stuff and i mean good on them for for trying i suppose but a lot of it i I don't know part of it part of me feels well let me back up let's let's start with the let's start with the the offices themselves do you do you you have the you got the links i sent you pull up um uh first of all tell me if the new york times will let you read their article we'll start with that because it loaded let me see yeah sometimes they make articles free to try no, and I can I can see it. You can yeah. see it. Okay, so just yeah. scroll through it real quick. There's a it's it's a lot of pictures and they're high res and they show some office concepts. There's a couple gifs, some animated gifs. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you know, sort of what they're doing. The inflatable wall is a is, is kind of a, you know, it's, it's neat, maybe a little kitschy, but but neat. Nah. To me it all looks kitschy. Call me a <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time anybody's called me cranky, but this all, nah, it has a certain feel to it. It has a certain, uh, ah, it feels creepy. I don't know. <laughs> it feels creepy. My issue though, my issue though starts before you get to how we approach a return to work and how we approach a hybrid environment. There are certain things which never could be remote. If you're doing a, if you're operating a fulfillment center, that can't be remote. Physically, it's impossible. If you're manufacturing, manufacturing things, that can't yep, be. Re- I mean, yep. Come on, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'm totally if agree. If if you're in healthcare, right? There's some. Uh, what do they not virtual visits? What do they call it? telemedicine? Telemedicine. Um, you know, for for certain types of check ins. Okay, you know, we could. But but fundamentally, you need to be in the room with a patient and, and you know poking them with sharp things in places that they came to get fixed. The 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 fundamental issue here, though, is that we are 14 now. 
officially 14 months the cat is out of the bag. You're taking people who have been productive and successful for 14 months and saying, yeah, but this isn't working. <laughs> There's a fun, like the, 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 the definition, when I hear people talk about hybrid work, it, it annoys me a little bit. And I don't fully know why, like I haven't thought this out all the way, but it annoys me because it assumes that what we've been doing hasn't been working. And since we're talking about tech sector here, it works. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. figure. It works. Yeah. Um, now, I have no issue, you know, so I work, my office is in another state a thousand miles away. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, I'm traveling down there, probably about 25% travel down to the off, usually to the office, sometimes elsewhere. Um, and it was a lot, you know, I get a young family, but but it was worth it to get down there because uh, most, uh, most of the staff at my company are on site and it's sort of a brick and mortar culture. Um, and so in order to get certain kinds of things done, it was just easier to go down there and, and, and get it done in person. Um, and I'm okay with that arrangement because uh, I'm not in the office and that's sort of the culture of the company. Um, but to some extent, you've got to, you have to take a step back and you have to understand that it's, it's not about, how do I, how do I phrase this? I'm annoyed because hybrid is the wrong word. It's the wrong way of thinking about it. Mm. It's, it's, okay, let's go at least part of the way back to the way it used to be. That's not well thought out, mm-hmm. right? That's reactionary. That's, I want to get back to my comforts. And if for anybody who's still not comfortable with this a year afterward, I'd love to talk to you because I, you know, I legitimately, like, I'm curious what the, now some people, remote work is a bug, not a feature. Like they need the in-person social interaction. There's just something about it. And I'm, I'm with that and I, I get it and I'm good with that. Um, but hybrid to go back to work, that's, that's wrongheaded, I think. I think the right approach is we have an office, we have some space, virtually nobody needs it anymore. How do we make it available for when people want to use it for high impact activity? Not how do we get 30% of our people back 50% of the time because reasons, mm-hmm. right? That's my issue. And saying hybrid, that's my core issue with it. it I think and maybe, maybe this is not global, but my, my feeling listening to a bunch of different people talk about this is that that's what it is. Let's go back to the office for the sake of going back to the office. And then we have to put a bunch of arbitrary parameters around how we're going to do that and what are, you know, what, what the policy is going to be and so on and so forth, rather than say, how do we rethink the space to get the most out of it and leverage what we've learned in the last f- now 14 months? Mm-hmm. I, I, so yeah, you're, you're kind of hitting the, the, you're hitting the same notes that I was I was thinking about with this with this article because they are trying to just get the the workforce back. And if you look at some of those pictures, they're they're just recreating a Zoom meeting in in a physical space where half the yeah. team is there and half is still Zoom. So that to me seems why 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 are you doing this when when you're still you still have the exact same mm-hmm. problem? They're also trying to. Um, uh, you, they're, 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 it looks like they're, they're trying to capture that, that free form open space, you know, the, the open floor plan with lots of barriers and structures, with lots of, with lots of barriers and structures. <laughs> and then there's also a, there's also a very ironic shot of, uh, a couple of, uh, smaller individualized offices, uh, you know, Google style, so these big, you know, full wall glass panels and mm-hmm. stuff, but it's an isolated office. And then you have the people inside the office sitting there with a mask on. So like, <laughs> it's just, it, it just doesn't make sense to me because I, I'm a big believer in, in you know, the Joel Spolsky uh, catalog here, which is, you know, four walls and a door engineers in order to do their work yeah. and raise your hand, raise your hand. If you love open plan. Yeah. Right? No, no nobody, developer ever. No developer ever. right now is what is raising their hand. It's a sh- or ever did or ever did. And it, well, the stink of it is the scuttlebutt. So this open floor plan nonsense. The reason that this start. Do you know why open floor plans actually got started? Do you know where they came from? It's not all asses, this. Go ahead. No, What's it's your- it's asses per square foot. It's density. 
Well, there's okay. So there's there's yes, kind of the the uh, revisionist history will tell you, oh, open floor plan was co- it was conceived to uh, foster collaboration, collaboration and and yeah. and interconnectivity and, and 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 communication and things like that. Or was Bull. it or was it pointy haired bosses being able to see everybody at once? No, both of no? those are complete oh. bullcrap. No, no, it's even simpler and honestly dumber. It's more it's Is it's it because, more dumber because Silicon Valley. Wait a minute. During the first oh, boom, got did Silicon Valley run out of uh, cube walls? No, it's not. No, it's even dumber than oh, that. I've, I've, I struck out three <laughs> times in a row. Are you, all it's right, what is it? I'm, I'm going to stop guessing. What so is in it? the in the early in the early booms, you know, late nineties, dot uh, uh, com boom. They needed space. Internet was still young, so you know, office space. There, there, there were no virtualized jobs. Everyone was working in offices. Mm-hmm. Office business office space was at a premium, but you had all these dot-com startups that right. were trying to get started, but they had no money. They're startups. And so they're trying to be very cost conscious with their capital. So what they so do the whole thing, is they right, rent. Last guess. Hold on. Oh. So the whole thing is cargo culted because they had to lease like open warehouses. And yes, stuff. that's exactly oh what it was. Goodness. It was cheap ass oh space. Oh my goodness. It's cheap ass space. So they bought these, <laughs> they would rent these giant unused warehouses from, from, you know, factories and, and manufacturing that had been offshore. So they had all this dead open space that was being available to rent on the cheap. And so you have these giant warehouses. That is even that have, dumber than I would have so guessed. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And then after this happens, you have all this revision. They started, oh, to, reverse, in the same they started room. to retcon. They retcon Yeah, they started themselves. to have to retcon. Yes. Oh, yeah, there are benefits. And then other people looked at it and said, oh, they're doing this because of those benefits. Yeah. And tagged along. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, I mean, like everything else in life, it's all, it all comes back to the money. And this was just a cheap way to get people in to a space to do work. Well, it that was my first, I mean- that that was essentially my first guess. Yeah, was, kind uh, of more, you know, higher density. Yeah, but for, it, I per mean, space than having traditional offices. Yeah, it goes back to money, but similar. Still, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I love it, I love that that's been cargo culted into a whole thing, and now everybody's got to try to undo it. Right, with and, balloon and, walls. So, I mean, uh, well, I mean, yeah, the balloon wall is just ridiculous. <laughs> but this notion of do of of so. So open floor plans drive me nuts because they're bunk from the get go. And even if they weren't bunk, they don't work. If you've been in any one of them, and I know that your company does this, they all, you know, they give out headphones. There's lights and signals to let people know that they're available or unavailable. There's something in this article about white noise generators to try and keep things isolated. This it, is a, well, that's, that's not just for tech open that's plan. That's a, no. that's a common thing with, uh, with high rises, white noise generators to try to you know, mute the background and give you yeah. some privacy and yeah. Right. No, and, and, and right. But part, why do you need to do that? Because you have all these stupid open spaces that people are, you're forcing all these people to work in these, in these big open rooms. It's cheaper. It's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. That's all it is. This is all about money. Yeah. This is not about collaboration or anything else. And so, but it presents fundamental, especially for engineers and other positions that require focus. So I did work, I did work one job where um, it was, you could, you could, it was an open, but you could call it an open plan. It was basically, there were a ring of offices around the edge and then kind of a bullpen in the middle. There were mm-hmm. six or eight of us. Um, now there still were cue balls, but they were like half or three quarter. They weren't closed off. So you essentially right. had two banks. There was, there were three or four people on, on one side, three or four people on the other. Um, kind of in a line there, like a think of like an egg carton, you know, two mm-hmm. by two mm-hmm. across from each other, and there was sort of a half or three quarter divider in the middle. Um, that wasn't bad. That was, but it was a it was a small. There were small eight of us in the bullpen, and it was just a certain certain group of people at a certain time. It it worked there, um, but even though it, I. I had my noise canceling headphones on. Yeah, and everyone had long. noise canceling headphones on, and yeah. and it's and and that kind of stuff still doesn't still doesn't work out necessarily because you have people that you know drink coffee loud and things like that. You know, it, it just doesn't. Um, it, it's it's not it's not ideal. And and you, you end ever up- work. You ever work one of these people? You ever work one of these people that have like their morning tea or coffee and they so, and then my- four seconds later. 
it it makes the it's 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 amazing though i don't know if this is some quantum entanglement thing but like that hot beverage makes my blood boil (laughs) (laughs) so it it doesn't matter how how few or how large it is the very fact that you've done that kind of a setup means that you are imposing a certain style of work where you have to basically work as if you're inside of a library and you don't feel comfortable because you don't have the i mean i'm speaking from experience here having worked in several of these different office layouts and now working full-time from home with my own office and a door and the privacy you mentally it is different it is fundamentally different and you can recapture you don't have to work from home you can recapture it in an office setting but you got to have four walls and a door it's that isolation separation and privacy that's absolutely necessary for um heads down kinds of work and or at least i would say at least full cubes i think that that gives Mm. you that's that's kind of second best. I yeah, would say. Anything, I mean, like, that's anything a that's less a distant than full. Distant anything less than full me. cubes is like fundamentally flawed for all the reasons you're saying. If you have a full cube, kind of, I think you can get part of the way there. Maybe part of the way. There. Maybe I, I I'd call it a distant second. Ideally, it's four walls and a door because that's going to give you. The mental isolation, it gives you the sound isolation, not only from incoming sound, but also protecting your sound from protecting others from your sound. Some people like I talk sometimes to myself when I'm working through code, you know, ducking. We talk about ducking. Yeah, we talk about ducking a problem. And so uh, I I like to um, I I like to you know make some noise. I like to play music and things like that. Headphones are fine for music, but, you know, sometimes you want to take them off and you just kind of want to jam. It's it's. It's no big deal. So I it ideally you've got that separation. And so what struck me about this article, because going back to the start of this quarantine thing, I had this theory and I still it's still playing out. But I have this theory that post post covid, you're going to see a bunch of companies stay fully remote. You're not you're you're going to see companies that have um uh um uh, knowledge workers, that's the term I was looking for. The companies that are predominantly knowledge worker based are just going to stay remote because, hey, you can do that exact same work from home or from a coffee shop or anywhere else. There is no reason for the company to be spending all of this all this money. There is a FaceTime element that I'm sort of glossing over and, I'm, and I don't mean to discredit it. It's important that you actually get time with individuals, but you can formalize that and you you, you can make that My happen. contention though, yeah, but my contention though is that 80% of that you can get just by turning the darn camera on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, and, and I, you do- I do that in my team. Everybody on my mm-hmm. team, we're on meetings, we're on camera, and that started to bleed out into the rest of the rest of the organization. Other people know that if they're going to meet with us, cameras are going to be on. And then we peer pressure them into doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it does. It it makes up for a lot of almost all of what you lose in that in terms of having like a high bandwidth conversation with with another person because all that nonverbal stuff matters so much. Mm-hmm. And you just you have a camera, turn it on. Yeah, camera turn on, and you're seeing, and actually, you are seeing now. I've, I've seen some services that are actually trying to to genuinely recreate the water cooler space digitally so they are hooking up yeah, to, to meeting are- services i i think this is a cool idea i want to see where it goes but i could absolutely see this i have been heads down in code i just want to hang out and just decompress and talk to some people at work there is a standing zoom room or something like that mm-hmm. that you can it's always on just and you can just in jump in there out. pop in see yeah. who's there shoot the shoot the shoot the crap for a little bit and mm-hmm. then step back out I think that's a good idea, and I think that that really could work, and that captures that spontaneity more uh, that that some have reported being missing. But I, I haven't yeah, felt it. I think it's you have lost. to have enough people to make that work, though, right? Because if you're yeah, under a certain yeah. team size, then anybody anybody that's going to go in there is just going to be alone. Well, and sure, it's not going to stay long enough for somebody else to. Get. So that's the struggle I have because I've only got like fifteen, twenty people on the team. I don't think I've got a critical mass where. I could reliably know that somebody's going to be in there and make that worth it to try to set up because it is. I mean, you just open a Zoom call and leave it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's very doable, um, technically already without some extra tooling. But um, well, that's yeah, actually my know. point. It's, I'm very interested by that, but I, I, it's 
you got to overcome that that uh, critical mass. Well, issue. that's my my point is it would only apply in a critical mass situation. If you're in a smaller setting, you would by definition just simply start a meeting with the individuals that you want to talk to, which is the yeah. very same thing as walking down the hall and knocking on someone's door. You're knocking on their digital door. Hey, let's have a Zoom real quick. I just want to chat with you. So that's yeah. that to me. Those are two different. They're two different situations, and you're just solving the same problem in two different ways. Big organization. No, but they don't because even if you only, even if you've only got a, a you know, a, a company of ten people, you two people randomly meet at you know said water cooler. A third can look over and see it happening and go join in the fun. Well, what you, okay, that, so that doesn't translate to a digital equivalent. Well, I unless think it, you're constantly getting pelted with notifications well, that oh, somebody entered the water cooler. You know, it, it's I just I think you do with that with that type of mechanic. I think you do need a ter- certain team size, and under that, there's just there is no equivalent. Yeah, you can always just call somebody if you want to talk. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, but I think that necessarily caters to a larger. And I don't know what that threshold is. I, you know, I've yeah, never played around. With yeah, it. I, I would imagine it's probably got to be somewhere around 100 people. If I had to guess, based on my own experience with my with my current company, we were about 50. I, I, I would think 100 would probably give you pretty good yeah. chance of somebody being in there at some point. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, so this it's interesting. I, this is this is just part of my my intellectual curiosity of how COVID is affecting particularly knowledge worker based mm-hmm. companies coming out of this quarantine and how how they're going to move back to work and so the obtuseness here to for for on on google's part the apparent i'll say apparent obtuseness in in pushing this direction is kind of why like it it just seems silly like they the the because some of the spaces now, like one of the photos actually is a it's a, it's a circular room i forget they have a term for it in the article here they created this circular room and they've got a couple of people socially distanced, and then they have cameras with video panels representing those people who are not in the room. And so it's like, well, why are we? Why is anyone in the room? Yeah, it, it and just, that's, that's it, the other thing that bugs me with hybrid is is the whole. Po- so one of the one of the rationales for hybrid is look, we we feel we don't have a culture where we can we want to stay remote. We just want to be in office. And if that's you there, yeah, great. brick and mortar. Right? I call I call them the brick and mortars. So, so you you want to be a brick and mortar. You want to bring people back to the office. Why? Right? Well, because you feel like culture and collaboration are suffering, right? So in this mm-hmm. case. So I'm going to bring people back in for culture and collaboration. The whole reason not to bring everybody back full time is that we are in a pandemic and people are, you know, not willing to accept a certain degree of risk, I think reasonably so. And so we're going to bring part of the people back part of the time. You almost necessarily, if you're looking at that from an organizational perspective, you almost necessarily have to say, uh, I need to control. I actually have to schedule who's coming into the office when. I can't allow people to self-organize, right? I have to be able to control headcount. I have to be able to control occupancy. Um, and I also, as a business, I don't want to risk everybody on one project team getting sick at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I necessarily, mm-hmm. you you are behoove because of both geospatial layout that different people work in different parts of the office or on different teams. And the risk aversion of of having all your eggs in one basket, if I can say it that way, you're never going to have more than half of any given team on site at any given time for collaboration, right? You see the problem? Right, I want right. to collaborate. Yeah. I want you to come back to collaborate, but only half of you can. It's, yeah. it's No, just wait until we're all ready to do it and then do it at that time. But again, mm-hmm. 14 months you've been doing this, presumably successfully. Why can we not wait for that? You know, uh, the herd immunity, whatever that, whatever the metric is, where people are going to say, "Yeah, we can go back full time now." Just wait until then. The hybrid yeah. thing again. I just, I think it's fundamentally wrongheaded. Well, right. But for the record, I think we have actually we've passed the point where we could actually go back and and I, I, I think that uh, you know we're dealing with some some inculcated paranoia about actually you know resuming normalcy um well again i that's the cat that's is out of the bag totally, yeah I mean, and this a, is my this is my my initial default position what has gone so wrong the last 14 months right. that you want to force the issue now right well that, well you know. uh, i'm saying well there's two different two different things one yes things are going if if your company's not imploding if it was going to implode it would have already and so that means that you have been able to maintain yourself 
as a business over the last 14 months. And so I think it's important that you ask yourself, is it really broke? Um, I know that companies have a some companies and I, and I guess Google would fall into this this uh, this this pile of uh, companies with a vested interest in getting people on site because you want them there because you want them working. That's why, again, another little like Silicon Valley dirty little secret, all the you know, the super cool perks of the foosball table and the massage chairs and, you know, all the, the, the food and the, the catering in the gyms are the big two catering in gyms. Why do they have that stuff? Super cool to perks. Get you to stay. No, they want your ass in the building so yeah. that when you're done, you go back to work at 730 at night and crank out some more code. That's yeah. the point of that stuff. Or they know or they know yourself. I don't I don't think it's to trick anybody. They know they know they require that of you. And if they don't give you the things you need to stay sane while working those 12 and 14 hour days, then you're going to burn out and leave. True. That it could. It's probably. I think it's more insidious than just, oh, well, we want to attract or we want to try to keep you. No, they're going to keep you. They need to make sure that they can do that long term. Well, I think it actually started out the way I'm describing it, and it has evolved to the point where everyone knows the game now. If you're applying to one of those, if you're applying to a fan, you're going in, you're going in for for heavy hours. Okay, and same I'm, thing with like gaming so I've got industry. Some, yeah, I've got some positions open at the moment. I know you do, you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> the the market is way overheated. The Boy. market is. I mean, the market I was overheated. I did a round of hiring in nineteen, and the market was starting to overheat then, and now it is ridiculous. And so, but here's uh, because Google, I guess they're, I guess they're going to start Google and somebody else. Um, Somebody else with a big name that I don't really care about is uh, in the fall. I think they're right. targeting a big back to work shift. Okay, it's expected. So everybody, I mean, the prices are so high right now that um, I don't. I don't think it, it's it, it's a bubble, right? We know this is a bubble. It, this is not sustainable. Um, and whether it's driven by demand or supply, like I don't care. These what these is a bu- hold on sustainable. The, the, the oh the hiring rates. You think there's yeah the, two, the talent market. Yeah. So so you're saying when, when you say it's overheated, you mean there's more job positions than there are there's job more demand seekers? Than supply. Okay. Yeah. Right. I had somebody. Okay. So I had somebody. Uh, I was looking for rather a, a more senior level position. Um, I had somebody back away, and you know my offer. I was able to offer X. This was X was my budget. Um. And a little on the low side, but, you know, I the, I got the budget I got, right? You got to work within your constraints. Yep. I had them back out of the process because they were in a final round interview. And this the title of the position was software developer. Mm-hmm. And I was told that the offer for that position was coming in at 200K. This wait, wait, you're hold on. Whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on. I, so I, I'm interviewing I somebody. You're I'm interviewing. interviewing somebody for a a, a, a more senior level position, mm-hmm. and I'm told they're backing out because they're being offered two hundred thousand dollars a year to be a software developer at another company. Well, okay. Well, hold on a second. There's a. I mean, yes, that's a. It's it's a marker. It's an indicator. It certainly sounds crazy. Uh, titles tend to be pretty flexible. And so you could very well be dealing like like my company. Uh, at one point, I was actually pushing for us to get rid of all titles and just call everyone a consultant because mm-hmm. the title doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, it really, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you based on your skill and experience yeah. and what I need and what the market demands, regardless of what the title is. So there's a there's probably a lot of wiggle room there in terms of what was actually the, the going point on. is the job was the point is right. the job was writing code nine to five. Okay, not not calling it software developer, but you're also going to own IT and you're employee number four and there's equity and there's other. Mm -hmm, No, mm -hmm. this is just another company who's Mm -hmm. offering two hundred thousand dollars a year to write code. Yeah. Yeah. I told my boss, I said, first of all, uh, I give up. We've been looking for this role now for several months and I've I've had trouble filling it. Um, I said, I give up. I, I'm, I, we have to we have to significantly rethink what we're doing here from a bandwidth perspective because I can't compete with this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if I can make two hundred thousand dollars a year as a nine to five developer with no responsibility, <laughs> you may be seeing you may be seeing a letter on your desk come Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, your follow up to this guy was like, "Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. What was this company? Well, I'll do it for one ninety five. I'll do one ninety five. Sold." 
<laughs> oh man, uh, a, a, a raise with less responsibility, please and thank you know we. So, but I, I do think you're right. I do think the market. So, is so anyway, the back back to the point of it. Uh, things are very overheated right now. It's making it difficult to bring people on board. Totally agree. Um, totally agree. It's making it difficult to keep current uh, employees satisfied uh, with their with their package. Um, but I think it's it, it can't last forever because this is uh, something's got to break here. Mm-hmm. Um, good time to be looking for a job if you're a developer. If you think about mm-hmm. changing jobs, you know mm-hmm. this is a good time mm-hmm. to do it. But um, anyway, back to the original point: Google and I think somebody else. These policy changes are taking effect in the fall, mm-hmm. and the word on the street is that. They're going to see mass resignations of people who do not accept that they have to come back into the office yeah, even part time, and this that's is going to flood about. the market. That's going to flood the supply side of the market. Very, um, and very so, possible. Yeah, and it's, so that's that's supposed, you know, alleged. You know, it's like stock market. As soon as you identify a pattern, it's useless. You know, yeah. Enough people start saying this. It's not. It's it's not going to be as impactful. But that's the rumor I'm hearing. Yeah. And I mean, really what I think we're seeing right now is a market correction. We saw hiring literally shut down for most of 2020. Well, the companies that were were going to do that hiring, those needs haven't gone away. They've just kind of kicked the can down the road. And 2021. Except now it's urgent. Except now it's more (laughs) urgent. And and you have had eight to 10, 12 months of of build up pressure build up here and they need yeah. to and they need to get moving on this stuff and what happened was exactly what i thought would happen 2021 came around and everyone went okay we're done and i mean to hell with what anyone when, thinks about quarantines not, and say yeah it doesn't yeah, matter it's like we're done we're going back to work like we got to go back yeah. to work and that's exactly and that's not, what you're seeing on a on a macro yeah. scale I and think. individual people are not behaving that way but if you look at the industry it's clear that is yeah. it's it's clearly it's exactly identi- it's what's clearly happening. identifiable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so I yeah so you're seeing you're seeing that and I think okay so your your market correction for you know people resigning as pe- they force them to go back to work see this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about like it's really interesting to see how how this is this is going to play out. I am honestly kind of surprised at well I'm a little surprised at what Google's doing here rather than you know, for for being all about experimentation and things like that, I would have thought that they would have doubled down on a fully remote yeah, experiment. Was, uh, I really would uh, have. Twitter Twitter did that, I Twitter, think. Twitter uh, went 100% LinkedIn? remote. They got rid LinkedIn? of their offices. Uh, I don't know about LinkedIn. Maybe. There was another another rather large I know company. about Twitter. Um, Twitter swore Twitter, off its offices. Sure. Yeah. Twitter swore off its offices. No, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they whole cloth sold all of their real estate. I think they just no, said, you "If can you want to work remote. from home, yeah, exactly." That's exactly what they did, and they and they just yeah. nipped the entire conversation in the bud. Which, from a employee satisfaction and retention through the quarantine, seems like a pretty yeah. damn smart move now in hindsight, mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. basically eliminate from your staff that lingering thought process oh this is really nice but i'm gonna have to go back to the office at some point when am i gonna go back to the office i don't want to go back to the office maybe i should start looking for a new job you know that's that sequence they completely short-circuited it the problem you so i um i put a uh i put a blog post up last night about refat like i'd never i'd never said on my personal site hey i'm doing refactored so i thought maybe i ought to do that it's probably Um, not a bad idea and i put in there and i I said you know we're not doing like a tech news podcast because it's overdone but i shared a a a subset of my technology podcast as recommendations Mm -hmm. um and then i looked at the business side of things and i noticed and it was a smaller list that i i chose to share on the business side but i noticed like very few of the podcasts i listened to for my own edification on leadership and development and business and so and finance very few of them are like business podcasts right it's like it's weird stuff it's psychology it's and i think that that gets it, my point here is psychology you've got to be really careful right now if you have a team it's it's a tough spiral to get somebody out of if they've mm-hmm. had the thought maybe i should look for a job mm-hmm. because they think, oh, maybe I should look for a job. And then, well, but what would that look like? What do I want? Well, what's, why, why do I not, why am I not happy here? Right. And then that, once that starts for somebody in a, in a meaningful way, it's difficult to, it's difficult for that not to become consuming. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. You got to break, you got to break out of the cycle and you're on the, you're on the back foot now. 
because that person exactly is already right. sort of halfway out the door. And now you actually have to double the effort to pull them back. in. So now they're thinking and now you're saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to add, you know, your Google. We're going to ask you to come back uh, at mm-hmm. least a few days a week. <laughs> Done. And I think you will see that exodus. Yeah. Now, this is why. The, I'm, and not just Google. I don't want to pick on Google. No, anybody the, 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 that's forcing you back to that's work. All. You're going to see, yeah, you're going to see mass resignations. Yeah, yeah. This is not not totally related, but it highly, highly relevant. This is what you just as what you and I just described is exactly why I always push for a better than average compensation profile. You always want it to be a little bit more than what they expected what they want, what they think they're worth. And and you can take that however you want. There's lots of different ways to interpret it. But the, the key is it's, it's the mental mindset of the person. You want them thinking, I got a really good deal. This place is taking care of me. I really want to stay here and do a good job because they are they obviously value my my input. And the reason you want to do that is exactly this. You you stem off that departure thought chain and you keep you actually keep that from from happening whereas and and, and you you can see the counter it happens all the time somebody gets another opportunity and actually goes to put in their notice and then company leadership panics oh crap oh my we're going to lose this person do this we're going to lose this person we can't lose this person what what is it that they want what can we do and then they counter what's it going to take what's it going to take yeah. and then they counter offer and now now you're up the creek as the business mm-hmm. because now they have another offer and it doesn't matter what they might have accepted to stay happy and not look in the first place now you've got to overcommit because whatever they got you got to meet or i likely beat to, yeah. to so and this even is, and even that this it is doesn't often, work. It doesn't necessarily work. I have seen counter offers fail. Yeah, all the time. And I and um, I, maybe this is just me, but my I will never counter somebody. If somebody's made the decision that they're going to leave, if somebody says, "Hey, I've got an offer," they already had the initial thought of, "Do I belong here?" Mm-hmm. They already thought, "What would a new job mean for me?" They've already brushed up their resume. They've already gone out into the market. They've already submitted mm-hmm, applications. Mm-hmm. They've already taken interviews. They're so far down the They're pipe. They're so far down the road. You may hang on to them for a year or two with a juicy enough counter offer, but people don't leave jobs. They leave bad cultures. Mm-hmm. And if if somebody's out the door, two things happen. You make that counter offer, two things are going to happen. Number one, you may hang on to them for a little while longer, but it is purely financial at that point. There is no loyalty. There is no, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. Number two, in my, and this is my opinion, you've insulted the person. If they, if let's say you have somebody and they're making X and they come back and they say they've got an offer and, and you counter them and you say, I'm going to give you a $10,000 raise to stay. I've just insulted them. If they were worth that extra $10,000 and if I could find it in my budget, why didn't I do that already? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why wasn't their initial package $10,000 more? Or mm-hmm. why didn't I give them a raise once it became apparent that A, they were worth it and B, they were that critical to the organization, mm-hmm. right? Why is this only happening now? Right. Like, is, is, is the feeling that, uh, and you know. Um, and that's exactly. I, so to me, it's insulting. And that's why I will never counter some. Somebody's decided they want to leave. Uh, you know, then I, uh, we talked, uh, you shared your matrix for like, uh, um, uh, regrettable versus voluntary scale. Of, yeah, we did of that. Departures. Yeah, that that, um, that, that two dimensional chart thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, let me, you know, let's let's start charting. Let's think about why this happened. Let's let's reevaluate everybody that's left on the team. I'm not going to counter offer because I find it insulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's I, not super popular, and there are business realities where somebody is literally, and if they say it is, if they offer and they say it is purely financial, and I need this, and you know, dot dot dot. Okay, maybe there's a path where if they're opening it up and saying, I'm only leaving because I can get more money and I'd like to stay, can you do anything for me? Then I might say, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody just comes and says, here's my two weeks, I'm not going to counter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do, you, do you agree? Am I kind of off no, in Chris crazy no, land I on think that you're, one? No, I don't or? think you're off in crazy land. I think it's, um, I think what you're describing is the, is the, the, 
the the purest ideal and then there are the the business realities and there's you know your boss coming down and says well i, I don't care if you don't like it you're going to counter offer anyway you know so there's there's always those situations um and well, hey, disagree and commit as my, you know, if I, yeah, I don't, well, I don't, right, I, don't right. uh, I don't insubordinate a direct order. If that were the case, then yes, of course, I, I will. Do that. Right, right. Uh, but I have heard I have heard feedback on counteroffers very similar to what you have described. You know, well, if this is, you know, yeah, this is nice. Why didn't you give this to me before? Why did I have to threaten to leave to get it? Um, exactly. Is the, is the thought and now, process. And and as, true, as the true. Yeah. Yeah. And on behalf and, and um, on the company side. Uh, now you're, you, you just, okay. So you're, you're okay with extortion. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's a you're little, okay, I, you're okay I think being that's a little, you know? I, well, I think that's a little, both of those, both of those are a little strong, but, but you do have to be careful as the, well, as the employee and as the employer to make sure that you don't swing the pendulum too far in the other direction where, uh, if you as the employee, Hey, you know, the market's, you know, really. You know, market's really hot right now. I, you know, I found a position for, you know, X amount more than what I'm making now. So give me a raise, you know, and you have to be careful as the employee of making those kinds of demands. And you have to be careful yeah, as the employer. Like you have to be careful of the employer of acquiescing in the wrong situations because you have to assume that some amount of knowledge about what's going on is going to get out to the rest of the org. Hey, so-and-so was going to leave and now they're sticking around. I heard they got a better deal. Maybe I should, maybe I should look around and get a better deal too. And so it's this very, it does, that only supports your argument of not doing it in the first place. You know, I, you know, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but again, that's not, that's, that's, that's hyperbolic for the, for the, Sake it of is the it, for the for sake, sake of making the, the sake point. Of making the point, right? right. Exactly. So exactly. Th- what I would say though is, look, you got to be careful. So and so left. So and so left, and they get a better offer elsewhere. And I want to make sure that we're not losing good people for this moving. You know, I'm not. I want to make sure we're trying not to lose good people on this moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be honest with the team, and I would say I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to look at the budget, and I'm going to see what I can do to make sure that you know, everybody here is compensated fairly. And I'm not going to say, okay, well, we lost a software engineer two. And so all software engineer twos are going to get, you know, 20% bonuses next quarter. And all of my software engineer ones and my managers and my BAs and my architects and anybody else is is left out in the company and say, look, and people are, people are, 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 um, reasonable. Um, I can't give everybody a 20% raise and I'm not going to give one class of person a 40% raise. So I'm able to give everybody a 5% bump or percentages based on, you know, market analysis with, you know, partnership mm-hmm. with somebody who's do, you know, doing the research and so forth. Um, right. But be clear. My advice would be just to be clear about what you're doing and why, um, mm-hmm. because everybody knows you can't just pay everybody a hundred thousand dollars more you know, next week than you did last week, right? I mean, that's everybody knows that. Um, now it's still not well, going to resolve fundamental think- incompatibility. If if you are hiring, uh, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna hire a uh, cardiothoracic surgeon for twenty thousand dollars a year, right? You just <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care how well meaning you are or how thoughtful you are in your conversation with your team. That's that's not it's just non compatible. Um, so you have to be realistic. Yeah. Well, you said what well, you said something interesting. You know that you you can't you know increase your your salary cost by a hundred thousand from one week to the next, and everyone knows that. Do they though? I'm not convinced that everyone knows that. And see, this is the kind of this is the kind of highfalutin intelligence that that i'm i'm looking to glean to to our audience especially on the highly technical side who may have you know maybe um more burgeoning into their managerial and business experience you know i'm not sure that that's well known but no you you can't most businesses are not sitting contrary to whatever media you listen to no company is sitting on giant piles of money that's that's not how any of this works that's not how well, any of this works well yeah but i mean even, apple could like buy pennsylvania tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> but even if even if they even if they wanted to the 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 money is always tied up and it's 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 allocated it's in things like it's it's yeah, never so just you, you make a liquidity argument right no so the, the point never is never just you, sitting you if you have a company that is doing well financially, it is because their financial planning and analysis team does a good job. 
Yeah. And, and what that means is that there is a budget and every dollar has a name. And if you start moving dollars from one category to the next because you're emotionally reacting to something that happened, it's going to mess things up come the end of the year and probably next year, too. And, and that's and that's not what a healthy company does. It's like a, it's like a time uh, time travel paradox. you know. Yeah. And it, in almost all cases, in all businesses, in all industry verticals, the single biggest expense of that company is their staff. Full oh, yeah. stop. In almost yeah. every instance, you will spend more on your employee salaries than you will on anything else. Doesn't matter what you do, because yeah. the employee is the most expensive element, as it should be. I, th- I think that's right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you're already getting, my point is, understanding the macro of what's going on around you, mm-hmm. you're already getting as a as an entity inside the, you know, as a group, as a collective inside of an organization, you're already getting the max, the, the most of their attention. Just, just for fun, I'll take I'll take an opposing viewpoint just okay. for just for funsies. OK, why do I care? Why do you care? What? Why do I care if I can go elsewhere and I can make more money? Right. Well, no. Look, what what it, what does it help me understand if 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 you know if sixty percent of the company's P and L is headcount? Mm-hmm. Why does that matter to me? Well, because well, okay. I I mean, on a certain level, you're right. It, it doesn't. You're always welcome to to go elsewhere. But I fall back on a, a lot of the um, a lot of the HR and staffing research that says that, you know, you said it yourself, people don't leave work, they leave bad cultures. People stick around and they pick a salary because it allows, it's it's the maximum amount of money that they can get in that environment. You know, they, yes, they can go elsewhere. So I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a perfect example. So we have, uh, we lost an engineer, uh, a wife. Why well, it was at least it's over a year ago. It's been a, a long while ago. Uh, we lost an engineer to Amazon. Amazon hired away one of our one of our staff, which is not surprising. We have really really highly competent engineers. Amazon is Amazon. They have a lot of money to throw around, and so he got to do similar work, a much higher salary that we could not in any world match. It just was not financially possible for us to do. The only thing that differentiates us from that, well, not I say the only thing, but you know, one of the most important things that would differentiate us from Amazon is the culture and what we do. It's a smaller organization. We have a very stated uh, objective and you know, we have a mission, a, a, a true mission, and people value that. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want to contribute they want to have you know put their you know put their print on something and and be a part of something have have some kind of a legacy all of those elements yeah are I, wanna, play, I want a I purpose that matters I, I want a, I want a purpose but the nature of this arrangement is that you need skill and I need money right? that is you have money I have skill right, and so I'm here basis. for 40 hours a week right and I'm getting paid X dollars that's true and uh I'm making ninety thousand dollars a year. Uh, in order to stay and be sustainably ha- uh, uh, fulfilling for me and my family, I can't make $90,000 a year. I need to make $100,000 a year. And your response is the employer is, well, I can't give everybody an 11% raise. That's non-viable because of the P&L, because of all those valid reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say, well, uh, the company makes $50 million a year. You're telling me that uh, it can't it can't spread some of that around, that I can't have a $10,000 raise that I feel like I deserve. Well, and okay. And then the counter argument is, well, I, in my department do not have $50 million. I get allocated what I get allocated and I can try and push for more, but all of that money is all going to places so that the company continues to grow. And, you know, my team is one part of it. And I, you know, this is where, and this is where capitalist forces just come into the mix. You know, if you're not able to pay what the market is demanding, then you lose those workers and you're going to need to either adjust or you're going to perish, you know, and the rest of the market will continue to uh, to adapt around those forces. And so, you so know, I've been doing the devil's advocate here to make exactly that point. 
Right. Exactly the point. If you if you are not competitive in the market, it doesn't matter what the dialogue is. Right. There is there is a lot of gray area where, uh, you know, so to the left, you are severely underpaying for the role. It's just not going to work. There is no conversation to be had there. You're going to lose good people if you're not able to pay them commensurate with their true with yeah. what they bring to the table. And then there's on the far right, there's overpaying people to such a degree that you're going to be out of business soon. <laughs> Because you're just irresponsible with your PNL, um, but then that that gray. I'm just trying to clarify with this example, though, that gray area in the middle where all this stuff really matters, right? Mm -hmm. You got to be intentional and you got to be clear. And maybe there is some education to be done. Maybe there is some education on how how budgets work and and how forecasting is done and how allocations work and all of that kind of stuff. Well, the market. Uh, I think the market. So it's a really good. It's a really good point to be made. Yeah, the, the market educates educates everyone it educates the the employer and the and the employee and the employee goes looking sees what they can find if they find something better that's you know similar space similar culture you know comfortable fit good for them i mean that happens a lot and and that's fully to be expected and you know people people lose employees they should use those as opportunity the, the company on in those instances should use the loss as an view the loss as an opportunity to glean from that individual. Hey, tell me what we screwed up. What what did we what what prompted you to leave? And if we screwed up, you know what was it so that we can prevent that with the next one? And I find that most most employees are willing to give you if if you if you approach it properly, you can get that kind of useful intel out of them. You just have to you just have to approach it. And then if you're on the employee side, you're not burning the bridge. Be polite, be respectful, but you know, be honest with them. That that only that information is in, in my experience oh my is always don't, well received. I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't burn the friggin' bridge, man. Yeah, like, don't burn heard, the bridge. I was talking don't to somebody yesterday. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um they had just a change of circumstance. They they had to let somebody know that uh, you know, they had to let somebody know that they were gonna be let go, right? They had to lay off. Um, and it's an unfortunate circumstance, nobody likes it, but um, you know, hey, look, this is the you know, X is gonna be your last day because we we can't we can't keep you on anymore. And it's a it's a you know, it's a budget thing and and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um employee said, Okay, well, today's my last day. <laughs> employee oh. had been there, had been there for years. Employer had had worked with this person over time, uh, accommodated them. You know, they, you know, all of the normal struggles and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and so employee went from somebody who had been uh, had been dutiful for years and would just couldn't be kept on to all of a sudden like toxic. So you're not going to get a recommendation. You're not going to get any mm -hmm. follow ups. You're not going to. Don't be an idiot. Don't burn the bridge, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and my, no, no, my advice is always yeah. to, you know, don't, don't just, uh, now that's the, that's the reverse, right? There's, there's a coming layoff and the employee burns the bridge, but you can also do it if you're planning to leave as the employee. Um, I recommend, uh, having a frank, rational, calm, objective conversation with your boss. If you're thinking about leaving now, this is not always possible because some bosses are jerks. And if they know that you are thinking about leaving, they'll fire you or that'll nerf your career there. If you do decide to stay or some people are just jerks, what do you want? Mm -hmm. um, but most people, if you come to them and say, look, I'm really struggling with these issues and whether it's just pay or benefits um, or whether it's some kind of team culture or some kind of workflow or whatever the problem is. I'm I'm reconsidering whether or not this is the best place for me and here are the reasons and kind of lay them out and again being very objective and very level about it um and then have it have a discussion with your boss your boss may say oh I can I can lend you perspective on these issues that change how you're seeing them change how you're interpreting them or you know what that one right there I wasn't aware of that is a problem we're going to fix it today mm -hmm. or boss says yeah that's kind of where we're at right now and offers nothing else. So okay, there you have an answer too, right? But um yeah, again there's some there's some bosses that are jerks, but um if you're at that stage, you're kind of at a make or break anyway. My thinking is go for broke. It's a lot easier to fix where you're at than find a new job in a lot of respects. Um and so that's that's my advice. If if you're at that point, talk to your boss. And that's a scary thing to do 
because uh, <laughs> nobody, I feel like it's very uncommon to talk to your boss when you're thinking about leaving, especially without an offer in hand or something. But don't let it get that far would be my advice. Yeah. Um, just yeah. have the discussion. Have the have the discussion. I mean, if you really have the discussion, if you, hold on a second. Are you talking about having the discussion after you've actually already accepted another offer or before? No, because that's not constructive. That's just here's my two weeks. No, I'm talking about before, before. you're at a point okay. where you've you've t- accepted another offer. Now, if that's if that could be as far to the left as, hey, some things have been happening and I'm questioning what this is. Mm-hmm. Or it could be as far down the line as like, I have offers, but I haven't accepted them yet mm-hmm. or accepted one yet. Yeah. Anywhere in that gray area, um, I think it's fair game. And yeah. I, I think your boss probably would appreciate the transparency. Um, oh, I know from experience that, that yes. I mean, yeah. I have said this to to yeah. my to my managers to push down to the team. And then my my boss has said it to me. If you're thinking about leaving, that's fine. Just talk to me. Just it's tell okay. me. Because Let's, even if you, exactly. even if I can't, even if I do nothing and you're going to leave, all you're doing is you're making my life just a little bit easier to plan. Giving for me a your, heads up. That's, that's exactly. all it is. That's, that's and, all it is. And try, and maybe this process of finding a new job, maybe you've decided you're going to leave and you're like, you're made up in your mind, you're going to leave. Uh, it could be a three month process before you're actually out the door, right? Uh, you decide you're going to leave. You got to get your resume out. You got to mm-hmm. go look for jobs. You got to go think about this, all this. Um, uh, that's three months of heads up that I have a as you you know as the manager a to think about how we're going to respond to this and make sure we're buttoned up so that we can survive this this attrition. Um, and then number two, that's three extra months that I have to get in front of the core issues that might cause the next person to leave, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen once I've I have seen it once where you have this massive like. Uh, you have this massive like resignation cascade. Yeah, you have a chain one reaction. One person leaves. Chain reaction. One person leaves. Yeah, and and it leaves a vacuum, and then it overloads somebody else, and then that op- and then you know it it ca- and mm-hmm. it's just it's miserable to be in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I and I I tell the same thing to my teams. If you're thinking about leaving, just come talk to me. I'm, like I'm not upset. Everybody, you know, you got to do you, but just let's talk first because. I may be able to change things for you. It may be something that's in my power. I may at least be able to explain it to a degree where you're okay, you know, accepting it. Um, and at the very worst, at least then I can prepare better. Right. And I know I help you and help you. See, I go to the next step. If I know you're looking for a job and I know there's nothing I can do to keep you, I will help if you're a good employee and, and, and everybody on my team is, um, cause otherwise they're not here anymore. Um, <laughs> I will write. I will write you a review. I will give you a, a reference. I will give you the best reference of your life. You know, if <laughs> because because my people are worth it. Um, I will help you in your search if that's really if if it's going to happen anyway, and I can't prevent it. Um, I'll go with it, and I'll help you, and I'll I'll help you be the best version of you wherever you're going next. Because I think, um, I don't know. I just think that's the way it should be done. Yeah, and I know mo- the. I know why most employees don't have that conversation because they're afraid of, you know, the emotional reaction. They're afraid that they'll it, that the the boss might respond uh, negatively, you know, take it personally, and then they take it out on you. And so it goes from you thinking about leaving to today's your last day. I mean, that's that's why. And, and that stinks. And I think there's only so much you as the manager can do to try and assuage them that concern that you build that trust over time. You have to repeatedly daily demonstrate that you are not that person and you're not going to do that sort of thing. But there's also there's a piece on the employee side where you, you, you have to you have to recognize it, accept the risk and you know, have the conversation, be willing to to stand up and have that conversation. Um, it's a mutual well, because, trust thing. Because, it's a mutual because trust. Because guess what? You're at the point where you're thinking about whether you need a new job anyway, and then you go and try to have an earnest, constructive conversation with your direct manager, mm-hmm. and then he turns it into a whole drama llama fest. Then you're that there. You're, there's That's your confirmation it. There's that your it confirmation. is in fact time to leave. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I see no, I see no downside yeah. if you're at that point. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if, I mean, if you're yeah. there, that you're there. Um, I don't know. I just don't think you want to. Uh, you gotta be careful. You, you, you want to do your yeah. homework. 
do, do, do your, your homework. homework. Be careful. Just don't don't be emotional and finger pointy about it. Um, but treat people well, and then yeah. other people treat you well, and and things are okay. Yeah. I don't know. And and of course, blow up cube walls suck. Let's not forget that. Yes. I. How many people are going to go back to that office with a, pe- a pocket full of needles? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just picture like a Bart Simpson-esque just going around, you know, it's childish, but it makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. There are some there are some real concerns, though, with that. And I, I think they're probably doing the best they can. But the whole concept is bunk. Yeah. Yeah. Just stay home. Especially for Google. Just stay, like, just anyway. stay home. Yeah. So this has been episode 22 of the Refactored Podcast for May 11th, 2021. My name is Chris Tonkinson, and my co-host here is Frank Cole. Uh, you can find his ramblings on the internet at hotcoles.com. And I should my, do an I'm announcement. Sorry, dub, dub, dub. Dub, dub, you dub. Should. And I should, do a, I should do a podcast announcement. This, we're, you should. We're, we're pretty far in. We're like I'll, six months in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, should, I should probably do that now. Yeah. www.hotcoles.com for Frank's uh, personal site. Mine is at chris.tonkinson.com. You can find the show at refactor.work. We have archives, show notes, and so forth. Uh, Feedback at refactor.work. If you want to holler at us, please do. Uh, This has been uh, a good discussion, and we will see you soon. Later, y'all.